0: You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm Kate Pierce, NYSAC's Multimedia Specialist. We're joined today by Becky Previ, Executive Director of the Association on Aging in New York, to discuss opportunities and priorities for the year ahead in supporting older residents and their families. Thank you so much for joining us today, Becky.
1: I'm thrilled to be here, Kate.
0: Thank you. So to start us off, can you give us a bit of an overview of the association
1: and your membership? Absolutely. The Association on Aging is a not-for-profit membership organization, and we are tasked with supporting and enhancing the capacity of New York's county-based area agencies on aging. And we work in collaboration with a network of over 1,200 aging service providers. And our goal is really to promote independence, preserve dignity, and advocate on behalf of aging New Yorkers and their families. Um, So our network is very robust. There are 59 predominantly county-based area agencies on aging. We also have two Native American Indian tribes. as well as a handful of not-for-profits.
0: Can you give us um, a little synopsis of some of the typical functions and services that are provided by county offices for the aging?
1: Sure. So there's really a robust network that provides core services and then homegrown services based on the geography and the needs of each county. And so most people are very well versed in our nutrition program. We actually have the largest nutrition program in the country. Um, and we delivered pre-COVID about 24 uh, million meals per year. We've seen that almost double throughout the pandemic. Um, And so that's one of our core services, but it's really only the tip of the iceberg about what you will get from your local office for the aging. So we also provide um, a variety of other services, including registered dietitians that actually do one-on-one counseling with older individuals that have nutritional needs. We also have a health insurance counseling program where you get objective uh, information on health insurance plans that fit what your needs are in your community. And these are non-commissioned certified representatives. So you know you're getting accurate and up-to-date information. We also provide home care services, so um, that includes a variety of home health aides that go into the home and help with meal preparation, bathing, toileting, dressing, grocery shopping, bill paying, and those services are for individuals that make above uh, the Medicaid benchmark, and so those services are subsidized through local offices for the aging if an individual is not able to privately pay for the service. We also provide 41 of the highest level evidence-based interventions, including chronic disease self-management, diabetes self-management, et cetera, to really encourage older individuals to age in place. in a, in a healthy fashion. We also provide robust case management services. All our case managers are state certified, which is something we're very proud of. In New York state, we're the first state in the country that mandated that certification. And then we provide a whole other host of programs and services, including nutrition education, um, New York Connects, which is your long-term care services and supports network. So that system you can call birth to death for any needs that you may have, and you'll be connected with local resources. We also work with the Long-Term Care Ombudsman program to provide advocacy for individuals that are in skilled nursing facilities. Um, And then we provide a variety of healthy aging programs and services to encourage older people to remain active in their community. We have a very large and robust volunteer service base, so we use volunteers to provide our home-delivered meals as well as advocacy through the Ombudsman program. And then really local programs can then provide services as they deem appropriate. So we do a lot of work with technology-based interventions for Social isolation. Uh, We work with a lot of partners as far as food insecurity programs and education. We do snap education and outreach. We also do enrollment to any and all social services programs, including Medicaid, uh, the Medicare subsidy program. So really, you know, the takeaway from this is not to know every program that's provided through your local office for the aging, but to really know they're there as a resource if you need them.
0: That's so phenomenal. There's just the variety of different services that are provided. I, I feel like you don't really know, <laughs> like typically, like as a general, you know, member of the community, just how many services. Um, are available to older residents.
1: It's very true, and it's one of those things, uh, I talk about this very frequently, is that when you know, you're know you going to buy a new appliance, right? You do a lot of research, you look on the internet, you do your homework, and, and it seems when it, you talk about long-term care services and supports, people don't know that they're out there until they need them. And so really what we're trying to do is educate individuals to know you can work with your local office for the aging prior to having a home care or a nutritional need for the variety of healthy aging programs that we do have. Um, We also have, you know, pre-COVID, we had over 800 senior centers where individuals could go for a variety of programs and a hot lunch. Um, We are working to get those reopened. But again, the takeaway is to know that we're here as a resource and we really want to encompass healthy aging as well as the aging population that may have some additional needs.
0: Right. So can you also talk about how some of these senior services um, are delivered in our communities? And can you also talk about some of the affiliate agencies and groups that work with our senior populations?
1: Absolutely. So the way our funding uh, mechanisms work is we do receive federal allocations. We also receive state allocations, and then the localities actually contribute additionally to programs and services. So the money for the area agencies on aging or offices for the aging comes from the New York State Office for the Aging to the Office for the Aging. Um, Once it hits the Office for the Aging, they do a variety of things some services they deliver directly through their own staff um, but they also coordinate with those 1200 service providers that i spoke to many of them are not-for-profit senior center organizations some are advocacy organizations some are private attorneys that make contract with the local AAA. so even though we have a small kind of footprint when it comes to the number of triple we have in the state we leverage all these other partnerships to deliver the services and the nice thing that that does is it allows for uh, diversification and to make sure we're being very inclusive of the community because a lot of these community-based organizations have been around for years and years and years. And in conjunction with the funding they receive from the locality, they may also leverage other resources to serve older people. So it's a very tight-knit community to provide services to older residents.
0: Now, New York State's 65 and up population is projected to increase by about 25% in the next two decades, which means that demand for not only home care workers, but also um, all of these different services that you've talked about already, um, demand for these is just going to increase. Can you talk about what this means for the state and on the home care worker side specifically talk about the Fair Pay for Home Care campaign?
1: Sure. So I'm going to answer that question in kind of two parts, Kate. So the first is when we talk about, you know, overall population density for New York state, we know we're losing population in all cohorts other than the 60 plus. We're already fourth in the nation. Um, we are, are rapidly increasing in the older population as you spoke to, but I wanted to highlight first how important it is to keep older people in New York state. And a lot of people don't talk about aging in this lens, which is why I think it's important before we talk about home care. Um, so when you talk about about older individuals, they have a tremendous amount of capital. So that could be intellectual, social, or economic. Um, When you look at the economics of the older population, they contribute significantly to the income of the state. If you look at the 50 plus longevity economy, the overall contribution of the 50 plus population in economic and unpaid activities is worth more than $9 trillion, and that was in 2018 nationally, and it's expected to triple to 28.2 trillion by 2050. So if you look at that from the New York State lens, the over 60 population is going to rise from about 4.6 million today to 5.6 million by 2040. So if we keep these individuals in the state, it's paramount to our economic success. The reason for that is the individuals over the age of 45 currently generate $379 billion per year, or 63% of all state income in New York state. When you look at the value of what they do for volunteering and civic engagement that's over 13 billion dollars annually if you look at unpaid caregivers we have about 4.1 million that are unpaid they provide the bulk of the nation's long-term care and if you paid for that at the market rate value It's worth $32 billion per year in New York state. So I wanted to highlight that, which is a lot of data, but I think it's really important because we want older people to come to New York. We want them to age here. Um, And there are a subset of that population that are going to need our services, which we're very cognizant of. Um, So for that to kind of be a level set, when you talk about fair pay for home care, it's really the reason we are pushing so hard. Um, to really finally get the investment that's necessary for the state to be able to support not only older New Yorkers, but also people that are in the disability community. Um, So when you talk about the economic value of older people, we want to keep them here. We also want to keep them out of skilled nursing facilities. That's our number one goal. Um, You don't talk to many people that say that they want to go into institutional care, and the cost of institutional care is much, much more expensive an office for the aging services to keep people in their homes. So when you talk about that in the lens of fair pay for home care, We already know we're at a deficit with with direct care professionals in New York State. We also know with the minimum wage increase that people are being driven out of home care into retail markets or hospitality, which is exactly what we don't want to see happen. And we really need to invest in that workforce to get them to a pay rate where this, this is an attractive system for them to work within. And the reason that that is important is that we know through Office for the Aging that our, our traditional client that receives home care or home delivered meal services is an 85-year-old female who lives alone, who is low income, who has four or more chronic conditions and needs assistance with activities of daily living. On paper, that individual could qualify for either assisted living or skilled nursing facility placement at an average cost of between 130 and $150,000 per year.
0: Uh-huh.
1: If we can serve them with our home care program, we serve that individual's uh, between six and nine thousand dollars per year, and they stay on our programs three to five years. So we can actually book Medicaid savings against investing in home care services.
0: Wow, I that's something that is so fascinating. I never would have
1: realized that. It is, and you know, we actually did a deep dive into our waiting list for services two years ago. And we what we wanted to do is really track a client to see what happened to them if we knew they were assessed and appropriate to receive a service, we looked at what happened to them if that service didn't get turned on due to finances. We know that 10% of our people that are waiting for services would go directly to a skilled nursing facility and another 7% would spend down to Medicaid covered services. So again, when you look at the cost of what that institutional care is, the state state share of Medicaid just on the 10% of the people that were on our waiting list two years ago would have been almost $60 million. So kind of in this lens, can you talk
0: about some of the federal funding or funding from the last couple of years that's available to county offices of the aging and what are they doing or what could they do with some of that funding?
1: So we were thrilled that the federal government noted that obviously COVID-19 impacted the older population more significantly than any other population. They also noted that our network depends very heavily upon volunteers. So um, most of our meals in New York state are actually delivered by a volunteer base. When COVID-19 really took hold, we saw a lot of those individuals who were older themselves no longer feeling comfortable that they could go into the community. We also saw that almost all of our congregate feeding sites were shut down, including adult daycare programs for older people. And so all of those individuals were transitioned to the home delivered meal program. What that meant for New York state is that we saw a 100% increase in the demand for our services from a network that was already strapped and so the the additional federal dollars which totaled about 149 million for New York state were used you know, overwhelmingly to make sure that people had food, that they had prescriptions delivered, that they had supplies and that they had transportation to necessary medical and life saving and sustaining treatments such as dialysis and cancer treatment. So the money very quickly came to New York state. It was then allocated to the local offices for the aging and they, they used those dollars to turn services on for the people that were in need. And that need continues today.
0: And in recognizing the need for these services and to adequately fund them, Governor Kathy Hochul has recently released priorities for her administration. Can you talk about what this outline includes that is supportive for the state's older population and for their caretakers?
1: Absolutely. So we were thrilled with the executive budget, and we are going to be advocating for a few few of the items we spoke about um, such as Fair Pay for Home Care and an increase for the long-term care ombudsman program. But if you look at what the executive budget holds, we're really, really excited um, in some major budget initiatives. And so if you look through those, we got $2.9 million in targeted investments to develop, expand, and replicate innovative services to better serve older New Yorkers and caregivers, um, particularly due to COVID-19 and workforce issues. So this will this will increase for transportation, volunteer stipends, elder abuse outreach, And our animatronic pet project, we got an additional $750,000 investment into department of financial services for lifespan of greater Rochester to establish an elder abuse and financial exploitation pilot program in an an additional 10 counties. We also got a $5.9 million human service cost of living adjustment increase, which is necessary and and well needed. New York State Office for the Aging, which is our partner organization, additionally got about $2 million for existing resources for NYSOFA to support additional staffing. Um, Positions can include contract managers, reporting and data staff, and management. There's also a continuation of the 2020 investment of $15 million for unmet needs. Um, In 2022, we also got an additional investment of $8 million for community-based non-medical supports for aging New Yorkers. Um, And this is really to help serve more older adults and help them maintain autonomy and delay future Medicaid costs by intervening with less intensive services. There's also a continuation of the $1 million executive funding dedicated towards Holocaust survivor services. And there's an additional $500,000 investment um, and a $1 million outlier subsequent years investment for NISOFA to work and create a state master plan on aging, which we're extremely excited about. The master plan is going to coordinate all state policy and programs and address challenges related to communication, coordination, caregiving, long-term care financing, and innovative care models. So um, when you look at really the investment from Governor Hochul, we're really excited to be able to not only to continue to serve older New Yorkers, but potentially expand our services to reach and continue to serve those that we saw throughout the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: And these services are really going to support now, you know, since we know that new york's older population is increasing and um that we've already highlighted the importance of keeping our older population in new york and supporting them um can you talk about some of the other ways that we can help to keep our aging population in new york state um, through investing in some of these services or anything else um, that you would recommend
1: Well, I think, I think it's really a combination. So I think if you can really understand the value of having an older population here, that's really goal number one. Um, Part of what this network does is we really try and advocate that you cannot paint the older population with a single brush stroke, it just doesn't make any sense. We're also serving people Um, across decades of care. So we serve people as young as 60 up to 110 years old. So it's really a diverse um, grouping of older people. And and what really makes people wanna stay in a state is if it's number one, age-friendly, we were actually deemed the the first age-friendly state in the nation, um, and we really wanted to incorporate what is already happening under previous administrations, which was health across our policies, um, making age-friendly communities, working with complete streets to make sure that it's just as easy to use a baby stroller as a wheelchair for an older individual. We also wanna make sure that there's opportunities for older people, whether that be a volunteer opportunity where they can feel like they're giving back to the community, or healthy aging activities like health, health programs where you can go to a local gym or a YMCA and you can um, have dedicated individuals to work with older people who wanna do those things. Um, we also wanna be able to make sure that we're able to serve people with information, referrals, assistance, entitlements, Um, and then when you get to the higher levels of care, you want to make sure that you're able to support individuals with home care services, and that you're able to make sure that those transitions between hospital systems and community-based organizations or skilled nursing facilities is really seamless. And then for people that do have to go to another level of care, we need to make sure that our ombudsman program can support and advocate on behalf of those individuals. So it really incorporates smart growth principles, you know, how you can make communities, more inclusive, how you can have multi-generational opportunities for people that are older to you know, work with people that are younger and vice versa. So it's, it's really continuing the creation of age-friendly New York to make sure this is the place where people want to age.
0: Exactly. And in the advocacy that you do and the work that, um, are there any common misconceptions about services for older residents that you've come across
1: There are unfortunately, and so um, there's a couple things that we really, really try and work on for an educational purpose. I would say the number one is individuals don't feel like they're going to be able to get a service, whether they have a little bit higher of an income or they don't think that they're going to qualify for a service because they're not ill enough or, um, you know, they're not going to qualify for a service because they're too healthy. And so what we really try and target is, you know, those four populations of the older individual that we serve to make sure that they know that there's a variety of programs and services you can get at your local office for the aging um, from that volunteer volunteer opportunity to actually getting home care services. The second thing that we're really working on in New York State, because it's so important, is people do not identify as caregivers. Um, Our our service model and structure, we support caregivers working, non-paid, paid, paid, it doesn't matter. We support them. And what we have found in the work and outreach we have done is that people will say, well, I'm I'm a son or I'm a daughter or I'm a sister or I'm a friend. They never use the term caregiver. So they don't understand that there are caregiver services and supports for individuals that may be struggling. We're also working um, very aggressively with employers to really talk about caregiving in the workplace and what it means to support a working caregiver for the benefit of the organization and the individual. So um, that's that's continued education that we provide on top of fighting ageism. You know, that's that's probably goal number one of this network is to talk about the value of the population, to not talk about them from a deficits perspective and to really highlight the amazing contributions of older people in their communities and then relaying the message that your local office for the aging is there for you for a resource
0: and just making that all available so that when people eventually need these kind of services, they know what's available.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it's always wonderful to develop a relationship with your local office for the aging, um, because as you go through either a caregiving journey or your own personal health journey, that you have a partner that you know that's trusted in the community who can, you know, help you with a variety of things. Um, You know, I, I failed to mention this when we first spoke, but Um, especially right now throughout the pandemic, we have a laser focus on elder abuse mitigation and education. So, you know, a local area agency on aging can tell you whether or not some piece of mail that you got was a solicitation. Um, They can work with you on making sure that you don't answer your phone and, and provide education on grandparent schemes, et cetera. So to have a trusted resource in your local community that you know doesn't have a secondary agenda on what they tell you is is good or bad is really important for the older population and those that provide care for them.
0: So, for our listeners, I just want to take a quick aside and. Um make sure that you check out the association on aging's website at agingny.org for some of these resources um, and to learn more about the advocacy work of the association. Um, And as we're coming to the end of our conversation here, uh, super appreciative that you've taken the time out of your day to have this conversation and to talk about these services and the advocacy of the association. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to bring to our attention today in this conversation uh, that we haven't gotten to yet?
1: I would say if, if anyone is listening to this and anything that I said resonated with them, which you know pretty much everyone I talk to has a, a story or has a loved one that's older, is to really know that there are local resources for you to work with. Um, we have a New York Connects 1-800 number where if you call the 1-800 number, you will be instantly um, in touch with your locality. And you can have a conversation about what your needs may or may not be. And you can also find out what local programs may be running in your communities. That telephone number is 800-342-9871. And again, that's a statewide toll-free number. Um, And that would be the one thing that I want listeners to know is that there are local resources you can reach out to. And we're here to support older New Yorkers and their families.
0: Great. Again, thank you so much for taking the time today. And I'm sure that we'll have you back on the podcast very soon um, as we continue this year and into some more um, advocacy campaigns. So thank you so much for your perspective and for your expertise today.
1: Thank you, Kate. I really appreciate it.
0: to this episode of NYSAC's County Conversations podcast. Keep tuning in for more county government focused conversations and make sure to subscribe to stay up to date.